Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Tonight's one of my favorite lessons. I'm still a little bit in the heavenly somewhere. I'll come down maybe, maybe not. So just forgive me. But it's one of my favorite nights um, on seeing and savoring because it covers the diverse excellencies of Christ. And, you know, I've been a student of the word for 15 years now. And when I say student, I mean I'm a student. I like to learn. I like to meet Christ in the word. I like to know more um, in depth of what it says and how it applies to my life and what the historians say and the history behind it. I want to know it. But there's no, I'll never forget when I took um, the sermons of Jonathan Edwards in Bible college. And we, we studied the diverse excellencies of Christ. And I'll never forget that feeling of knowing that I didn't really know my Savior. That I had, I had known about all these different aspects individually, but I'd never taken a look at it closely together. And as I looked at it closely together, I fell more in love with him that day than I had ever been. So I had to teach a class on it. So then I taught a class on it. Then I ended up studying it again. And, and this is probably my third or fourth time around. And every time I get just as excited because it's an opportunity for all of us to see him in a new way, to, to be reminded of, of all that he, his gifts of who he is and what he's offered in, a, in his person. Make sense? So if you like to study, and if you go on the internet, you can Google Jonathan Edwards, The Diverse Excellencies of Christ, and it'll come up as a free PDF. Download it. It's great, great, great message. If you don't have access to do that and you want it, email me. I will get you a copy. Trust me. <laughs> it's great. Um, so check that out. How many of you need your notes for tonight? Anyone not have notes? Can I get some? Do you mind Kelly helping out? Just leave your hand up for a second. Kelly will come around. This theme of the sermon, it's by Jonathan Edwards. It's called The um, Diverse Excellencies of Christ. Great message. Very lengthy. Take it in Take it as little meals. <laughs> but why, why diverse excellencies? Why are, we, why are we looking at it? Well, instead of reading this quote, for the sake of time, I'm going to just summarize it. But if we're looking at music, and we take everybody, and everybody sings the same melody, it's all in unison. It's going to be louder. It's going to have a little bit more depth than one person. But it's a melody. All the same thing. It's all in unison. But when you take some music, and you add alto, soprano, bass, tenor, what happens? All of a sudden, you have a new appreciation and a new depth to that song, to that music, than you could have had with people just singing a melody. Right? Does that make sense? There's a harmony that begins to take place and all the diversities of those gifts. And that's why we want to take a look at the diversities of Christ because it, it's, it harmonizes in who he is. He's not just one type of being. There's so much diversity in who he is, and that makes the beauty of his nature. 
So if we look at B at all those little dots right there, I want to run through this because it's going to give you a little glimpse more into, um, into his diversities. It says, we admire him for his glory, but even more because his glory is mingled with humility. We admire him for his transcendence, but even more because his transcendence is accompanied by condescension. We admire him for his uncompromising justice, but we also admire him for its tempered with mercy. We admire him for his majesty, but even more because it is a majesty in meekness. We admire him because of his equality with his God, but even more because of God's equal, he nevertheless has a deep reverence for God. We admire him because of how worthy he was of all good, but even more because this was accompanied by an amazing patience to suffer evil. We admire him because of his sovereign dominion over the world, but even more because it was accompanied by an amazing patience to suffer evil. We admire him because of his sovereign dominion over the world, but even more because this dominion was clothed with a spirit of obedience and submission. We love the way he stumped the proud scribes with his wisdom, and we love it even more because he could be simple enough to like children and spend time with them. We admire him because he could still the storm, but even more because he refused to use that power to strike the Samaritans with lightning, and he refused it to get himself down from the cross. And so we see... We just begin to get a glimpse and a picture and a, rem a reminding of all the aspects of who he is. We're going to take a look now at the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of Christ. And so we see in Genesis 49.9 that Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. I guess so we'd be obedient to a lion sitting on a perch. Come on. He demands respect. He demands authority. Isaiah 11, 1 through 4 and 10 says, There shall come forth a rod of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with Equity for the meek of the earth, he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. That gives you a whole other picture. With the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious." Jeremiah 23, 5, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. 
You know, when we read this stuff today, and kings and queens don't make a whole lot of, don't mean a whole lot to us in America. But when we go back to the times that, that this was written, he shall be king and he shall rule. He shall rule in righteousness and execute judgment in all of the earth. There, there, was, a, there, there was a sense of, of honor more so than even we honor our parents today, or we should honor our parents, more so than the president would ever be honored. There was an honor due to kings that, that, that if he was coming, if he was coming down the road, you not only would make sure everything outside of your house was right, you go inside, take off your bad clothes, put on your good clothes, and then you would bow down, not even lifting up your eyes to see because you weren't worthy to look upon him. There, 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 was a, there was a demand of respect back then that we can't even comprehend. But that's what he said. That's what the Bible says about Christ, that he shall be a king reigning, executing judgment. Meaning all it takes is one look and one word. Doesn't matter whether anyone would agree with you or not as king. They would all follow exactly what you said to the T, lest they fear you strike them down yourself. He will execute judgment and righteousness Daniel 7.13 says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. This is talking about revelation. This is talking about Jesus. Every knee will bow at the name of Christ. This is the lion of the tribe of Judah that comes forth in might, in power, that rules and reigns in righteousness. Totally different from what we're going to look at in a second. Demanding all, all that has been, all that will be to bow at the name of Christ. Revelation 5 says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside, and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. <laughs> Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. You know, I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. I love Narnia. But when I begin to read scriptures like this, it it's like that picture that picture of Aslan coming forth and little, is it little Lucy girl? You know, she's searching for him and all, you know, where is he at? Why didn't you come like you did before? And, and it's all waiting and everybody's scurrying and everybody's stressful and everybody's striving over all this stuff and anxious. And then all of a sudden, here he comes. He's not worried. Oh, Lucy. Oh, my people. And he comes and all. Oh, even just his presence demands. And, and even all those little devilish creatures, they even know just upon seeing Aslan that they were defeated. That's our Christ. That's who's come on your behalf. 
and on my behalf. That's who we call upon when we're in time of need and time of trouble. That's why we don't fear the arrow that comes by day. What, what are they going to do to us? They can't separate us from this love. They can't, they can't come and have any power over this line of the tribe of Judah that's my king, that's king over the earth. He's my friend. He sticks closer than a brother. He's the one that we begin to call on and recognize. We've got to begin to remember that Jesus is not just a man that came on this earth. Jesus is God himself commanding authority. And he's come as our lion of the tribe of Judah out of the root of Jesse to come and bring salvation to you and I. He demands authority. And when we step into that part of who he is, we begin to walk and operate in his inheritance. In his inheritance of who he is. We don't need to walk around with our heads held low and woe is me. I'm a One day I'll be in street to go. But my goodness, right now. Speak to that storm. Be still. Do you know who comes on your behalf? Have you met the lion? Have you met the lion face to face and smelled his breath upon your face? That's our Christ. That's our Jesus. That's the one who I want to walk into the battles. You don't think as pastors we don't walk into some situations trembling? I guarantee you, you sit and have a conversation with Pastor Hunt, he could tell you story after story of situations that he would walk in over the years that are well beyond his capability, well beyond his means. But we don't walk in trembling and fearing. We walk in knowing who goes before us. Who goes before? We're just a representative of him. We're just his hands and feet. I don't have to worry. I don't have to live in fear. We're going to take a look now. Isn't that good stuff, Bob? We're going to take a look at the lamb, our precious little lamb. We continue on here in Revelation 5.5. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne... And of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Worthy is the lamb. Now we had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. This lion-like lamb is all the same. But if you look in the scriptures and you see when it's talking about the line of the tribe of Judah, it's demanding honor, demanding respect, demanding obedience, demanding submission just by who he is. It's not like some, you better do this or not. It, it just commands the very presence in a righteous and holy way, demands our respect and honor. But the same being, when you see the lamb, you can't help but bow in adoration. You can't help but fill bowls of incense of prayers before him for who he is and what he's done. This lion, this majestic lion chose knowing that he could wipe everyone out. It said even his breath shall slay his enemies. Even his breath could slay him. But what did he do? That lion laid down 
his life without one word and became the lamb that was slain for you and me. Revelation 6, 12 says, I looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man hid themselves in caves and in rocks of mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide from us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath had come and who was able to stand. Slaves, free people, all the powerful people, everybody hid. They hid from him because of who he is and who he was. I grew up in church, you guys. Even though I ended up doing all that I did, I grew up in church. I knew the gospel. I knew the things. It had never been presented to me as life, or my, I had, my eyes hadn't been quickened to it yet. But I'll never forget, you know, my ex-boyfriend at the time, he got arrested twice in two weeks, couldn't get out. My little brother got arrested twice in two months. Nobody could get out of jail. They all got sent by the judge to Christian rehab. They all got born again. And here I am on the outside trying to figure life out. And see, the whole time growing up, I was the good girl. Like, I was the girl that nobody would have ever thought would have done the things that I did. Like, at all. I was a good girl. And I was just, I wanted to please people. I wanted to do what was right. And I loved leading people. I loved caring for people. Eighth grade, I was student council president. My the student council director, lady, teacher, whatever, sponsor, gets cancer. Very serious cancer, goes out. We have a sponsor that didn't know what she was doing, really wasn't around. And guess what? It didn't really matter. I ran the whole thing, bought a $10,000 sign, raised all the money, did more events and activities because I liked helping people. I liked doing stuff. So I I had this thing in me of even when I was dealing drugs, I was the, running the number one store in the entire country at 21 years old and extremely successful and then blessing everyone I could bless in not very godly ways. But you get what I'm saying. Like I was trying to live. I was angry and hurt, but in myself, I was trying to do right by people. Does that make any sense? So when I got born again, I was reading this book. No wonder they call him Savior. It's going to all make sense in a second. Now, what do they call him Savior by Max Lucado? It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm laying in bed, got my feet up on the wall, do, 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 reading this book. And I realized I would meet Jesus. I knew who Jesus was. It was ingrained in me from a child. I would meet Jesus face to face, and he would be my judge. And the thing that got me was that I would never be able to look at him in the face because I got the lamb. I got what he did for me. I got that no matter what I ever did in life to try to honor people and help people and please people and do right by people, nothing, nothing could compare to what he did. And as I began to see that in who he was, I began to have exposed because I saw the beauty of the lamb, the beauty of all that he took upon himself for me and his character and realized, oh, I lacketh. I lacketh a lot. And I was so mortified that I couldn't look in the eyes of Christ. That wasn't okay. And at that point, I didn't even know there was a salvation prayer. I grew up Catholic. 
I didn't know there was a salvation prayer. I just remember praying, oh my goodness. Lord, I don't know what to do, but help me to live a life that on that day I would know you, that you would know me. That's all I got. But help me to live that kind of life. And that began the whole, the whole turnaround. We can't forget who he is for us. We can't forget that feeling of that moment of recognizing who the slain lamb is for me, for Bob, for Thelma, for Paulette, for every one of us. Every, every mankind will hide their face from the lamb when he comes back. He took upon himself the sin, the travesty, the depravity of all mankind for all time so that our Father would look down upon us, would not see us anymore, would not see our good works, would not see us striving, but would look upon us and see the blood. That's how he sees us now. Because that lamb came and laid his life, he sees us through the blood of Christ. He sees us and sees his son in us. That's our lamb. Revelation 17 says, The ten horns which you saw were ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, <laughs> and the lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and those who are with one are called chosen. And faithful. Can you imagine trying in that day to make war on the Lamb? God, help. Help us. On page four, the Lion of Judah conquered because he was willing to act the part of a Lamb. He came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday like a king on the way to a throne. And he went out of Jerusalem on Good Friday like a lamb on the way to the slaughter. He drove out the robbers from the temple like a lion devouring its prey. And then at the end of the week, he gave his majestic neck to the knife. And they slaughtered the lion of Judah like a sacrificial lamb. So Christ is a lamb-like lion and a lion-like lamb. That is his glory an admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies. Even getting that all in one week. And you know, drawing the only way, the, a modern day, a current, a heather world that I can even begin to picture that in is for a long time, you know, a long time ago, the Lord told me, Heather, I didn't create. I was so excited in the business world. I thought, I've arrived somewhere. I'm going to make money, and I'm going to just be red suiting it with my briefcase, running companies all my days. And he said, I didn't create you for this. So I got out of the business world a long time ago, been in the ministry. But those giftings that he gave me to be successful back then are giftings that open door, make away in the body that we don't have to hire two, three, and four different roles because he's given the giftings to be able to run administratively in an organized way. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm called as a pastor first and foremost. And so it's always struggled me over the years because that admin hat comes on, and we go to work, man. We go to work. We're going to get this done. And then the counseling appointment comes in. Hey, how's it going? Let's sit. Let's pray. Let's invite Christ in. And we just go there, and it's a whole different hat. And then comes preaching time. Whole nother hat. 
And it's like throughout the day, ask the staff, you'll see me shift the hat around. And it's bothered me through the years. And so every once in a while, I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me! I'm the same person. And every time we bring someone on staff or they work in those closed quarters, we say, hey, look, you're going to see us in different ways. And I just ask that you ask Christ to open your eyes, that you would see him in us and how he operates. But it's weird coming in. If you would have been in meetings today, we're going on vacation in a couple of weeks. So we've been for the past few weeks preparing for weeks out. Make sense? So in our finance meeting today, we're trying to cover three weeks in run. So next week, when we really cover three weeks in one, we're okay. And so I'm sitting there with, with Pastor and Carol, and I'm like, okay, I got this stack. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Because we still have this amount of time, and we've got to get through this stack. You ready? And then we start going. And then as soon as it was done, I was like, okay, here we go. Can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? Okay, blah, 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 let's go. Well, I'm sorry, i got to preach tonight. i got to go study. And it's funny, right, because it feels weird. But when I studied seeing and savoring about two weeks ago as I was studying, I began to see that's a part of the nature in Christ in us. That's part of the lion-like lamb and how he could go and he could overturn the tables in one moment and go and be the lamb in the next moment. That, 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 that nature of Christ comes in and he begins to gift us. And, and just because we have a gift of mercy doesn't mean that, that justice can't come in at some point. Just because we have a gift of the, the prophetic gifting in us doesn't mean we're always black and white. Doesn't mean we draw that hard, narrow line. We let the, uh, the, the diverse excellencies, the diverse natures of Christ come inside and begin to also operate in loving kindness and mercy. Are we following? And so all of a sudden, the past few weeks, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I am not some double-minded, like, weirdo that, you know, today I'm this, today I'm that. But I get to welcome it now and see Christ myself in it and understand that that's part of his nature. That's part of him showing me in the day-to-day -day operations and the staff that's showing me his nature, his nature. And I don't have to over overcompensate on one side and then try to come back over here, but I can open up to it all and say, just display yourself. Just let people see you in it all. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to try to make one work better than the other. I just want people to see you, your nature, your character come out of me. Christ and Eve right here says it was a hideous death. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia tells us that the wounds swelled about the round, about the rough nails. And the torn and lacerated tendons and the nerves caused excruciating agony. The arteries of the head and stomach were surcharged with blood and a terrific throbbing headache ensued. The victim of crucifixion literally died a thousand deaths. The suffering was so frightful that even among the raging passions of war, pity was sometimes excited. All of this came upon the friend of sinners not with brothers at his side, but utterly abandoned. Judas had betrayed him with a kiss. Peter had denied him three times. All the disciples left him and fled. And in the darkest hour of history of the world, God the Father struck his own son with our punishment. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. The only person in the world who truly knew God cried out, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? When we begin to look at the afflictions of Christ, 
at what, he, what it was that he took upon, what he endured. We have got to hang up religion, my friend. Christ lived and he was bruised for us. We have a hard time when someone looks at us funny, but Christ was mocked and scorned and spit upon. They played dress up with him, making fun of him. You get mad whenever your daughters dress up your little sons at three and four years old because he's a man, don't do that. The soldiers did the same thing. That's what we don't get. The soldiers did the same thing to Christ when they began to clothe him in purple, mocking him that he was supposed to be royalty. They played dress up with our king, with our lion, that with his breath could slay them. He was like a sheep led to the slaughter, not even a sound. That's our Jesus. When we begin to look at him, that's why, that's why you hear me say all the time, I just want to see Jesus. I just want to see Jesus. Because all the silliness and all the ticket, 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 it just goes in the waste. It doesn't even matter anymore. Do you sense the change in the atmosphere? That should follow us all the days of our life. Everywhere we go, when we get in the car, when we get all hot about something, Jesus, oh, there's nothing like the name of Jesus. Zoe and I sing a song. She loves to sing. She loves to dance. It's so funny. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And she goes like this. I love you, Jesus. She goes up on her tiptoes as high as she can go, and her hands go up in the air, and she always falls over, and she gets up and does it again. But it changes the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere because right now I'm introducing her to him. Right now I'm introducing her to, to be able to call on the name and to invite him in the room. But for me, I'm seeing him in a whole new light as my baby girl is getting to know Jesus. This atmosphere is available every day, everywhere we go, in our cars, in our homes. You know, Mandy's son's been sick and Poor her and Rich have had late nights, early mornings, wild times. I mean, he said, for the first time, I didn't go to the medicine cabinet. I didn't begin to look for I just began to pray over him. This atmosphere is available every day in every situation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For the sake of time, we're going to go to page five. The lamb-like lion in our deepest longings. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Our deepest longing find their deepest satisfaction in seeing and savoring Christ. This glorious conjunction shines all the brighter because it corresponds perfectly with our personal weariness. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. The lamb-like gentleness and the humility of the lion woos us in our weariness.
And we, fought, we love him for that. If he only recruited like the Marines who want strength, we would despair of coming to him. You see, part of the reason we're wooed, part of the reason why we even have that inkling, besides the fact that it's the Holy Spirit that puts it there, is because there is a beauty in seeing Christ and all that he is and all that he has to offer us. And he says, it doesn't matter that you don't have any of it because I've got it all for you. It's all wrapped up in my being. So come unto me, all you who are weary. He doesn't beg us. He doesn't ask us. He doesn't even require us to have a little bit of good or a little bit of talent or a little bit of gifting because he's all sufficient in and of himself. And it's he himself, our lion-like lamb, that gives us and imparts the gifts, the creativity, the talents, the ideas, the visions, the ability to go create wealth. All of it is in him. That's what begins to draw us into him. That's why he's so appealing to us. And so in that, he is glorified when you and I find our satisfaction in who he is. You and I don't find satisfaction in the assemblies of God. We don't find satisfaction in Celebration Church or in any role or title that we'll ever have here or anywhere in the body of Christ. It's not about that. Our satisfaction comes from who we are in him. Who we are in him. And that we found ourselves in the middle of a depraved world, disgusting and filthy and wretched. And we found the most beautiful, wondrous thing in this humble lion and this victorious lamb. That it's enough. That it's enough. Everything was created by him, for him, through him. All my goodness is found in him. All my needs are found in him. We have to, be, we have to strip ourselves of what and where we find our comfort on this earth and begin to realize that our true comfort's found in him. Paul said that he was good whether he abounded or he lacked. Why? Because he tasted of Jesus Christ for himself. He tasted of that lion-like lamb. He'd taken it upon himself, and he was finding his satisfaction in Christ. You know, unless you're in Looney Tune, you're only going to worship in jail after you've had the crud beat out of you because you've met the lion-like lamb. Because you're satisfied in him. Because you don't care who thinks what of you for whatever happened to you. When Zach's parents were in town, what came about? Oh, this whole law passing, they were voting something to do with whether or not pastors would have a choice on gay and lesbian marriage. And so I'm like, I don't care what the government does. I'm so tired of even talking about that. So whatever happens, happens. We just need to make sure that we have whatever bail money they need to bail one of us out because it ain't happening. It wasn't even questionable. Never thought I'd be arrested in my life. <laughs> Definitely never thought he'd be arrested in his life. But you know what? For the gospel's sake, for that kind of stuff, hey, this one ain't got nothing for me. Our satisfaction, our self-worth is found in who he is. Yeah. Have you felt his breath 
tonight and you felt his breath in your face, why don't you stand with me, Grace? You want to come on up? There's lots more notes, some amazing quotes. Why? Because this is my favorite, this is my favorite section of this. You've got a lot of further reading. This all comes from um, chapters 8 and 9 of the book. I urge you to go this week and find Jesus. Find this lion-like lamb in these scriptures. If you haven't downloaded the book, Seeing and Savoring, you can download it for free as a PDF online and read it. You ain't got to go buy it. You don't have a computer or printer? Good. Call us in the office. We'll get it for you. But I pray, I pray that tonight, it's not an exhaustive study. It, it's a tasting. It's a tasting for you and I that we would wet our palates upon the goodness of our lion-like lamb, our Savior, our King of kings and Lord of lords that will rule and reign in righteous judgment that has laid his life down, was beat and mocked for you and me. Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy of so much more than any of us has ever, ever laid down. You're worthy. We can never do anything to earn your love, yet you give it. You have given it so freely. Lord, I pray as we press in tonight that you would captivate our hearts again, that you would captivate our hearts to who you are that you would open our eyes to where we are, where we've been, and where we're not. God, where you're taking us in you. It's not about our gifts. It's not about our positions. It's not about it. We don't have to be right. Who cares, God? It's about you. It's about you. It's about finding you and feasting, feasting, sitting at the banqueting table of our king finding our delight in you that will rock the nations we're worried about one little place and trying to control one little place that if we just did it this way and he's saying and I want to use you I want to use this people to rock the nations there are people in this body that are, that, are, that are being called into this body that are to be sent out into all the world as ministers of the gospel. And yet we're so worried about our little tiny thing here. Jesus, that we would just get a hold of you. That we would passionately get a hold of you and find our delight in you. Find our delight in the sweetness of all that you are. Because nothing, nothing else matters. The altars are open. I'd like to lay hands on everyone tonight. We've done a lot of pressing in and just coming and getting at his feet. But I believe, I believe I have to lay hands on you tonight. And I know that, that not everybody's comfortable with that. And I'm asking you to put your comfort aside.
and come. Make yourself vulnerable to who He is. Laying on of hands, it's not just an act, it's not just a religious thing. There is a transfer of anointing. There is a transfer, a literal transfer that happens. It has nothing to do with the person praying. It has everything to do with that person being a conduit, being an open vessel that the river of God, what God's trying to say tonight, would flow through and into empowering, awakening that person that's receiving prayer. So the altars are open, and I would ask, I would urge everyone, come. Come if you're hungry. Come if you're thirsty. Come and have a feast with the king tonight. Come and meet this lion-like lamb and this lamb-like lion in a fresh, bold, new way. Let him satisfy you. Let him satisfy you tonight. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.